How high of draft picks should you use to lock up one backfield? What 2017 draft bust is getting a ton of action in OTAs? And we play a Would You Rather with the Rams' Brandon Cooks. Plus a winner of 10 Football Guys Players Champ. How high? How high of draft picks should you use to lock up one backfield? What 2017 draft bust is getting a ton of action in OTAs, and we play a Would You Rather with the Rams' Brandon Cooks. Plus a winner of 10 Football Guys Players Championship Leagues, Mike Inyang co-hosts the show with me tonight to talk about why he's loading up on Melvin Gordon, what players are the ones to cash in on drafts now before their ADP rises, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Mike Inyang is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Live from the WRST Radio Studios in beautiful Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and heard around the world on the WRST stream, it's the Eric Balkman Show. Salutations, all you alcoholics, anger, snack, and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, uh, Eric Walkman, my co- normal co-host tonight, Dave uh, the Dizzle Gerzak, the patron saint of fantasy football, is off. But sitting in for him tonight is a high stakes player who's been drafting for nearly 20 years. He loves seeing his league mates draft three quarterbacks and believes each draft truly starts after the fourth round. He's got 10 Football Guys Players Championship League titles under his belt, and he is co-hosting the show with me tonight. Please welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Mr. Mike Inye. Mike, thanks, thanks for joining me tonight. Hey, what's up, Eric? How you doing tonight? Hello. How you doing tonight? How are you doing tonight? Mike, I'm sorry about that. Are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you, man. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. Really appreciate it. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me, Mike? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. Oh, sorry about that. A little technical difficulty there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's on my end. Don't worry about it. You're doing nothing wrong. It's uh, it's it's all it's all on me. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight as we kick off June. Fantasy season is basically underway. How how jacked up are you? I know you've done some drafts already, but we're about to get in the meat of the season, man. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, I've, I've really loved it. And um, I love drafting early because um, drafting early, you get a chance to stack up on some um, top ten players. You know, obviously you're taking a guess here at the breakout players and everything else. But, you know, I like my chances based on um, – people in the experience level, you start playing that game and see who's the fish at the table. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to talk about, not only are we going to talk about those top 10 players that you can load up on now, but we're going to talk about bounce back players like Amari Cooper, Devontae Parker, what first round pick is adding to his draft value as we speak and more. 
Uh, if you uh, want to chat with us tonight, give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVER. The uh, show is on Twitter at HSFFHour. I am on Twitter at Eric Balkman. And, of course, Facebook.com slash HSFFHour is where you can get a hold of us there. You can also email the show at the inbox, football at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now's the time to get them, uh, get them into our audio engineer, Bryce, and our uh, mutual friend and producer, Rob. We'll do uh, some emails and the fantasy feedback seg- uh, segment later on in the show. Uh, plenty of stuff to talk about here up at the top. Uh, if you have not uh, seen um, the uh, FFPC main event early bird uh, promotion, uh, it got extended uh, another 24 hours. So at midnight tomorrow night, you will uh, it will expire. But while we're catching up on all the registrations that came in, if you want to be a part of the main event, save $100 on that first team uh, feel free to do so at uh, myffpc.com slash main event you can uh, take advantage of that right now football guys early bird promotion obviously is going on all you got to do is uh, sign up by june 30th draft the team by july 15th and you'll get a free 35 dollars ffpc team credit and uh, we'll do that up to three times register for best ball drafts beginning at 35 dollars dynasty startups of course going on this weekend and next weekend and really all can hop in on a dynasty league Special announcement coming up uh, during the show tonight. I'll get to that. You'll definitely, any main event players will want to hear it. Uh, we'll get to that uh, at some point during the show. And, of course, uh, if you saw the Dynasty Tradecast HQ podcast that came out this uh, past week with yours truly on it, I had a lot of fun hanging out with those guys, uh, Shane and, and Mike, Jeremy. Were a lot of fun there. Talked a lot of Dynasty. Check that out. Uh, Dynasty Tradecast HQ is the name of the podcast. And Ron Gachet. Runner-up in the uh, High Society draft last year at the FFPC. Uh, also uh, uh, made, it was the number one seed in his uh, FFPC main event. Won a lot of money over the years in the FFPC. He will be on the uh, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. That is coming up on Thursday. Check that out at rotoviz.com slash podcast. Enough about that. Let's talk about Mike and Yang. Mike, when you are not playing fantasy football and drafting all these drafts, tell the listeners what you're doing for a living. Yeah, I'm actually an engineer by day, so uh, I work on, like, uh, electrical uh, packaging and routing, really boring stuff that you don't see in your car. But um, basically, the people like me, what we do is uh, make sure your car is up and running and uh, you don't know about us. So we're the wires in the car. (laughs) So that's essentially what I'm That's uh, a good way of putting it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The stuff you need to have, but, you know, you don't want to know about that sort of thing so yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> we don't want to see how the sausage is made mike you, you guys take care exactly of that there we go just just enjoy it just enjoy it eat it just forth whatever do what you got to do but just don't go watch it be made let's put it that way so yeah that's <laughs> exactly. what i do <laughs> fantastic well let's talk a little fantasy football here specifically about the uh, football guys draft you did this past wednesday night uh, at the 312 spot in this draft, you go with Sony Michelle, about a round and a half ahead of where he's been going as far as his ADP goes. Now, a lot of people have utilized caution and, and expressed, hey, you need to draft Patriots running backs at your own risk because you don't always know exactly who the running back to start for each week is going to be. Uh, but is Michelle different this year? Has he broken the mold? Is he a reliable Patriots running back? Well, I'm not necessarily the greatest college evaluator of talent, but what I do, I play positions and roles, and also I look at investment. You look at the draft capital that it, it, you know, they invested to pick this guy, I think Lawrence you know, Maroney as a ceiling, right, uh, in his heyday, in a, as a ceiling. So to me, normally I wouldn't pick, I wouldn't jump at this position, but I figured that, you know, this guy, when I come back to me, especially when my league mates drafted the sharp penny, you know, um, so at the end of the day, if I see Rashard Penny going at the top of the third, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if you're going to want this guy, um, you're going to have to pick him. He's not coming back around. I mean, he's just not coming back around. Just how you're going to look to see this particular rookie's going here. You know, if the rest of the league does something, um, you, you know, you, you're playing you're playing that uh, zero-sum game at this point. So you know that, you know, you've got to get this guy uh, on one of your teams and this is the position to do it. So I, I felt like I, I was going to jump at that po- at that moment. Yeah, exactly. Now, Michelle, you look at, you know, the Patriots investing a number one pick in him this year. So I, you, know, right. you would think that they obviously want to use him, and they're not going to be shuffling him in and out of the lineup. 
if I was to say what are the chances that Tony Michelle finishes as a top 20 running back this year, what would what percentage chance would you give that of happening? Well, okay, just from the thought of the top of my head without actual uh, data here to go back and reference, I'm going to say from based on the defenses that I see there, the usage rates and the fact that, you know, me personally, uh, I've got Rex Burkhead and James White shares. Was the injury position? I know I'm going around the position here. I think the guy can fit us in the top 20 based on the quarterback they have, the improvements to the offensive line, and also knowing that you have an older quarterback and you're going to want to, uh, you know, run the ball. He's more of a traditional uh, running back uh, of all the running backs they have. The other ones are jack-of-all-trades or very specialists. So I think for a good offense that this is a very high probability he's going to finish in the top 20. Uh, based on, you know, their lead, their game script, and things like that. So it's taking a risk, but it's a calculated risk for me. Yeah, it's a calculated risk, but a calculated risk uh, perhaps worth taking, and you are not the only one investing into Sony Michelle this year. Uh, let's talk about the Packers running backs because you double up on both of them, getting Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones at the 5-6 turn in this draft. Tell us the strategy there on using two semi-premium picks on what could be a committee backfield on getting both Williams and Jones? Well, finishing, you know, picking 12th has its advantages and disadvantages. So at the end of the day, the disadvantages can be, you know, mitigated by strategizing how you pick players from this standpoint. Yes, I'm picking two-thirds of a volatile backfield. However, I noticed that in most drafts I was in, regardless, even in a uh, more a premium position or a better position to players. Once, once, once one player was picked, within a few picks, the other player was gone. Now, I have very limited uh, data because I only did it five or six times, and you know, doing uh, some mock drafts and things like that. So I figured an advantage of having two consecutive quote unquote at the end of a round when people fall to you is that I'm going to take advantage of that and secure two thirds of a backfield where we saw one guy become a workhorse last year towards the end, albeit without, you know, Brett Favre, I mean, not Brett Favre, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers, another guy who, yeah, exactly, he's thinking Brett Favre, I love Brett Favre, I don't know, but anyway, we have Aaron, Rod, Aaron um, Jones, I'm sorry, who's a dynamic back who has looked at the future of this particular backfield, so I kind of hedged my, now granted, I didn't get Ty, but I'm not going to get all three, and I'll take the risk of having uh, the ones I saw work from who are actual running backs, who have a blocking experience. You know, they're going to want to keep the, you know, <laughs> the quarterback up. I know that for sure. So um, I come out of one of these guys who are natural running backs who've played and, you know, calloused and bruised their body throughout. I don't care how, many weight, how much weight you lift, you know, you're not going to become an NFL running back in one year, even if you play football. So, I don't think that uh, Ty Montgomery is either going to, A, hold up, or B, um, be able to keep the quarterback up consistently to be on the field. So, I, again, we play a game of chance to a certain extent, um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to take my chance with one of these guys, and if I, if I was going to get both, I needed to take him here. Uh, Aaron Jones would have gone in this particular round. If you look here, yeah, he, he would have definitely gone in this uh, before he came back to me. Went, and so did Marlon Mack and Chris Thompson. Uh, one of those three guys, you know, I'm pretty sure that the guys who picked those guys would have happily taken Aaron Jones as well. And, um, you know, like I say, you know, Jamal Williams is gone right after him. So I feel pretty good about those two picks. Yeah, I jumped for it, but at the end of the day, we'll see at the end of the season if that was a real uh, reach or not. And, and I think, you know, and Mike, I, I live, uh, you know, probably about 30 miles uh, south, uh, southwest of Green Bay, so I'm, I'm right in the midst of Packer country here, and you talk about um, what, what the coaches want, what they want to see, and Mike McCarthy has said several times this offseason that he wishes that all of them could start, but in the end, only one guy can, and I think if you read between the lines there, they want one guy to, to be the man in that backfield. They don't necessarily want to split this job up three ways. However, uh, both these, you know, both Williams and Jones and Montgomery, especially, they've all struggled to stay healthy, uh, you know, last season. And in the times when, you know, two of them were hurt, the other guy really shined. So you may know who the guy is going to be on a week-to-week basis because the other two might be dinged up, or at least one of them might be dinged up. So you can actually prognosticate maybe a little bit better than you could with some other committee backfields. And I think that's another advantage. Of, of getting right. Williams and Jones here uh, like and, you did. Yeah, Moving you know, on. The second, 
Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. That, that made sense. No, no, no. Finish, finish. Yeah. It, no, no just to second, on, on the yeah. Packers running backs because this is good. To, to second your point, there's not too many. I mean, running backs are about opportunity, but there's not too many. That if they put the B guy in, I would automatically put the other guy in, you know, or the A guy. You know, I, I would just cares because I, I I feel good about it. I've seen work from these guys. So other split backfields, you I, I would be kind of concerned, like Peyton Barber and, and and the rookie got in. You know, one of those two things. I feel more comfortable situation. But anyway, second that last point you made there. Yeah, well, let's move on in, in that same draft and fast forward about five rounds to uh, round 11, uh, which is when you grab your first tight end. And you actually get Austin Safarian Jenkins there and Vance McDonald back-to-back to, you know, um, you know lower floor, higher ceiling type players. Do you typically like to hold off on tight ends in this format because of how high, you know, quote-unquote, how overvalued t- tight ends can, t- can you know, be in the FFPC and how fast they can rise up draft boards? Or was this just a special well, situation where you were loading up on backs and receivers and then the tight ends actually fell to you in, in the mid-rounds? No, in this particular situation, you've got to play. First, I don't think I'm playing against. I mean, some names I see in there from other years and things like that. But I'm not going to spend time trying to invest in my time and think what strategy people are going to use. And they change all the time. So I, you can put the players and, you know, their perceived ADP or perceived value. At the end of the day, for any, I don't care who it is. In this 1.5 point scoring, you're still at a, you know, uh, there's an opportunity cost to at that position. It's here. That's only three premium tight ends at the end of the year, end of the day. So even you, you so you're not going to have that. So why even pick? I, I know it's an advantage. People look at it as an advantage. I don't. I just look at it like when there's only three, I'm not going to. When there are other guys, I can get. Uh, 75%, you know, the same value. It's, you know, everybody gets 1.5. Just find the high-volume guys. So I'm not tight end, especially, you know, I just didn't feel it in this situation. And tight ends, you know, three tight ends went in the second round, you know, and tight ends were starting to go off in the mid-rounds after that. So I just figured that I'm going to get guys who I value more upside and the positions that are not easily replaceable in this particular situation. And I felt like Austin Safarian Jenkins and also Vance McDonald, those two were good picks. At the end of the day, I'm happy with those. And, I, you know, when you – like, I would say about 75% of my team, I already knew I was going to have these guys on the team. When you're looking at ADP and recent ADP, um, you can pretty much you – know, when you earn or things like that, you can – I mean, if you know what you're doing I – mean, I'm not saying I'm going to say I'm some expert or something, but uh, – Study this stuff. You can. You should know what kind of team you're gonna have. So I kind of guys talking with Mike Inyang, a winner of ten football guys players championship leagues uh, over the years. And and Mike, uh, it, perhaps it's it's because you have been as far as 2018 goes drafting at the back end uh, most of the time uh, the, so far. But why are you grabbing so many shares of Melvin? in your football guys' drafts this past month of May because you do have them in a bunch of spots. Well, I keep trying and keep trying, man, but I keep getting either anything from eight, nine, and and lately left. So maybe I would like to have another show and we'll talk about what it is to draft in the beginning of the round or something like this because, well, no, but seriously, though, at the end of the day, it's one of those things that uh, when I first started drafting, um, Hunter Henry was not hurt, but I figured that now, especially now, uh, Melvin Gordon was past his injury two years ago. I mean, we saw what happened with Todd Gurley. Yes, it's not a change in offensive systems or nothing like that, but to come back from that microfracture and to do what he did, yes, he was inefficient. I, I hear this and everything else, but he plays in a high-volume offense that just lost an inside playmaker. So yet he's going to have to have a, a, a huge opportunity. Who's going to get those um, – You know, Keenan Allen, I guess. You know, He would get some of those goal line and things like that. But they lost a lot of goal line opportunities last year I mean, in terms of uh, getting rid of Antonio Gates and some of the guys who got hurt. So I think that he's going to have a huge year, and he comes at a low draft cost because he's not a top five running back. And you're picking him at a position where you're going to get a high 
number four, number three ranked wide receivers because wide receivers are dropping. So he's the perfect combo pick to me. Um, Melvin Gordon and somebody else. Now, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. That's part of the game. But you know, we plan for that thing. But I, I, I think that at the end of this year, based on opportunity, based on requirements, and you know, the offense, I think he's going to be a top five running back. You know, uh, he's going to be definitely a top five running back. And and uh, I, I feel that, and it's something that um, obviously. Uh, drafting capital where my mouth is. So, and also, like I said, I get the later picks, and I'm able to come up with uh, a top-flight wide receiver. Chargers uh, get Derwin James in the draft. That solidify a very, very back, uh, very good, uh, talented uh, back seven for uh, Los Angeles. So the defense should be very good again, and maybe the Chargers, uh, again, you know, Vegas has them winning a lot of games, threatening to uh, win that division. Maybe they're salting a lot of uh, leads away. Excuse me. At the end of games, and Melvin Gordon obviously would be a big part of that. Uh, let's talk about bounce backs here, Mike, and two guys who were drafted uh, pretty high last year. Two guys that were talked up in the preseason. Two guys that really disappointed: Amari Cooper and Devontae Parker. Now we we can pretty much agree that that Cooper uh, more is expected of him this year. He's still being drafted much higher than Devontae Parker. But as far as what the numbers we expect to, you know, them to put up and, and maybe perhaps their ceilings, uh, who do you think is a better bounce-back candidate this year? Is it Amari Cooper or is it Devontae Parker? Well, from expectations, um, I'm going to say Devontae Parker because, you know, Amari Cooper, he's getting drafted in the third, fourth round, right? He's not drafted in the fifth. I mean, I haven't seen that. So based on draft slot, I think Devontae Parker is consistently going in the ninth. Now, granted, you can never pick the, into a draft saying I'm going to pick him in the ninth automatically, but if you end up with a draft, which I have in the past this year, uh, I've got both Devontae Parker and Amari Cooper. Um, I, I believe that the ceiling on each other is the difference of maybe three quarters. Uh, Devontae Parker is three quarters of Amari Cooper. But if I can get him in the ninth, tenth round, I'm going to pick him ahead of a Cooper in the third round every every day, every time. So, they're both viable bounce back, but I would take, based on draft capital, I would take uh, Devontae Parker if I'm guaranteed to get him in like the 10th round versus getting uh, Amari Cooper in the third. Yeah, there's a, certainly a, a lot less risk in investing in Devontae Parker in the mid-rounds uh, than Amari Cooper, right. for sure. And if you are a risk-adverse drafter, certainly that's uh, the, the correct play to go with Parker rather than Cooper. Uh, you've done a ton of, of football guys drafts over the years, Mike, and you've uh, you've obviously enjoyed a significant amount of success uh, in doing those drafts. I know you you know we we I said in your intro you you love it when you see somebody draft three quarterbacks in your league. But what's uh, maybe I don't know maybe that is the biggest mistake you see other drafters make. But what's if there is another one that you see you know the other guys in your league when, when you see the draft and you're doing the draft and you're seeing, oh, this team is messing up here, this team is messing up here. What's the biggest mistake that you see football guys drafters doing when they're trying to put together these teams? Well, thinking you can you can time the future, you know how injuries are going to break down, and you think you know what defense is which. Um, I've seen people pick three defenses, knowing which, which day they're going to schedule to play each one. Um, you know, I've seen somebody play uh, Philadelphia against New England a few years ago and get like 30 points. So at the end of the day, you cannot determine for a position that you can only put one player in and you have multiple. Now you've got to make a decision and the opportunity cost of losing the running back or wide receiver, especially running back, that you didn't project and, and, you know, uh, to, to get a particular backfield, injury, whatever it may be. Now you've got a position that never gets hurt. Now these are all broken records. Everybody said it, said say this before, but people still do the same stuff. And when I see that, even though I might not, the guy I want might not drop to, drop to me. You cannot pick everybody. So that means that as as one person in front of you makes a mistake like that and picks a, a kicker, three kickers, whatever it may be, um, I just smile inside knowing that I'm definitely going to get something dropped to me. I mean, just be patient. It might not be who you want, but it's always going to be a better perceived value that comes to you versus picking and trying to guess what week to play a defense. <laughs> I don't care how obvious it is. I'm not guessing what week to play what defense. I mean, that's just not something I'm going to do. So, now granted, I do have two defenses sometimes, but, you know, when you get to the end of a draft, you know, you have a throwaway, you want to use something. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but if you get to the end of the draft and there's really nothing there, you may go ahead and do that. But if you're in the eighth round drafting a defense and coming back in the 13th and drafting a defense, you know, I almost think that, Commissioner, are you stepping in? <laughs> that sort of a thing. 
So those are the mistakes I, I see people, uh, you know, making. But, again, if it works for somebody, it's not a mistake. But over time, I don't think that's going to work. You're not going to have the Alvin Kamara's in the ninth round, you know. You're not going to have the, you know, Kareem Hunts that I was getting in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Um, you know, you're not going to have those guys because you're not going to you're gonna be, you're gonna be getting – too many positions that you got to guess on that cannot be played. Multiple positions, only one kicker, one defense, and you're not smart enough to figure out who which which one is going to be working. And you kick yourself most of the time. <laughs> so that's how I feel about those situations. Mike, I, let me ask you this from a strategy aspect. That that something you said made me think of this. And, and if I'm drafting, you know, in, in in March or April or May or or even June and and even early July sometimes, what I like to do. In, in a 20-round, 12-team draft like the FFPC, when it gets to be like the 19th, 20th round, man, there is nothing that I'm going to be super excited about there. But typically what I like to do is maybe grab a kicker and a defense in the 17th or 18th, and then in the 19th or 20th round, I can go after maybe a third-string running back or a, or a backup running back that's still out there or a receiver that, you know, has the potential of breaking out that year. And then that way I know if they hit – fantastic, great, I'll keep them around. But if by the time the first waiver wire rolls around before the season starts and these guys aren't doing anything and did nothing in the preseason and still guys in front of them, boom, I have my first two guys I can easily cut for whatever hot name is out there, whatever running back did fall into a situation and, and is going to have a significant role. Sometimes like when you're drafting early, it's almost an advantage to have that luxury at the end because if these guys hit, great, but if they don't, they're easy guys to cut right away. Exactly, exactly. That's that's the way you got to think about it. Sometimes, um, you know, you can't overthink the situation because nobody can predict the future. Um, you know, we all. I mean, especially people. You, you when you have multiple drafts, you know, you try to spread your um, talent base. I would say. So yeah, you definitely you're picking guys who are just you know third string, you know, in a murky backfield or guys who are in front of injury prone starters. You know, things like this. So, at the end of the day, you know, it's smart to do that. But you don't want to waste the, you don't want to waste the 20, just only 20 rounds, 240 players, is that what it is? Why would you waste 1%, which is three defenses, <laughs> which is more than 1% of the, all the players picked? <laughs> you're, you're in a position that you cannot play multiple, um, posi- you, can, you can't play, and then nobody's going to get hurt out of a defense. And who knows what defenses do? You saw New England last year. Well, who picked New England last year, right? <laughs> Right. You know, so you would have been stuck holding the bag on that particular situation, and then now you're guessing and you're taking taking attention away from um, uh, the rest of the team and increasing that and looking at a a 25 point defense on your on your bench. You know, you know, you know. That's people who picked Baltimore and um and Jacksonville last year. I remember that. You know, Baltimore and they were were alternating 25 point games. So if you picked them in early in the season and you didn't know which one to start. And you pick the wrong one, you'd be kicking yourself. And then at the end of the year, um, I know I had multiple leagues that I finished like three yards behind the, after the whole season. It was like point three points behind somebody. You would kick yourself if you if you picked the wrong multiple defense. <laughs> if something like that happened. So exactly, ten time uh, ten time football guys league title winner Mike Inyang uh, joining us tonight, talking some uh, football guys players championship ADP drafts and uh, draft strategy. Two running backs that I want to ask you about right now in, in very different backfields in 2018 than what they looked like in 2017. You have Royce Freeman joining the Denver backfield. San C.J. Anderson, he's gone to Carolina. And you have uh, Devontae Booker as his main threat to touches there. And then you have Chris Thompson, who by, you know, by his own last year, you know, takes Samaje P. Ryan, Rob Kelly out of it. Chris Thompson was a fantasy force until he got hurt. Now he has to contend with, uh, you know, an, an early down banger in uh, Darius Geist this year. So if you had the opportunity to draft one of these guys, who would it be? Or, Mike, let me put it this way, which one are you more likely to draft first in 2018? Is it Royce Freeman or is it Chris Thompson? Well, that's a trick question a little bit because I'm going to talk about reality. What I've drafted, I've had plenty of opportunities to draft Chris Thompson, but I've drafted Royce Freeman. So I've drafted Royce Freeman. Um, so I'm going to say Royce Freeman at this point. But saying that, I really think that Devontae Booker is going to be the one in the backfield to start off. Um, you know, he's actually probably a better uh, 
you know, pass catcher. And also he's been in the league. And also I think he's going to be the first one starting out. But if I was drafting for the entire season, I would definitely probably get Royce Freeman. I think that you would you would be more you'd be happier in December come December time uh, when they when they when they may not use Chris Thompson. Uh, as much usage as he, as he got last year, uh, I, I don't. I just don't think that they're going to run him to the ground. Um, at the end of the day, they still have you know the first round pick Geisen, and they, they have um, a Samaj P Ryan as well. So I think that even though they don't do the same role as Chris Thompson, they're going to be conscious of the fact that they're going to limit his uh, role. But I think if Royce Freeman does get in there, they're going to go full board with one running back. So um, who's got the who's got the upside to end up? with the job, the job. Chris Thompson never does. Royce Freeman does. And the name of the game is upside. And so I'm going to go with the upside. Now, granted, they're going in much different rounds, but I still go with the upside at this point. Yeah, Freeman is, you know, obviously he's a rookie, but um, he hasn't had the injury uh, history that that Chris Thompson's had either. And Chris Thompson, you know, he got hurt last year. It wasn't his first injury. You know, he's been dinged up before. And Freeman is a big body guy who could get, much higher. I mean, honestly, you talk about the ceiling. Freeman's ceiling for volume is much higher than Chris Thompson's. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. That's what I was thinking Let's, too as well. Now, granted, he might not finish, you know, higher, but I just think that, you know, if you look at all outcome, if you look at the high end of any outcome, Chris Thompson obviously was last year, but he's not going to repeat that on a per usage, um, you know, average basis because there's a lot more competition back there. Granted, same thing with Royce Freeman, but it may be Royce Freeman's backfield, but it would never be Chris Thompson's backfield. That's that's simple as that. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, let's get to some emails. We're going to do some emails later on the show, Mike, but I, these couple emails sure. here that came in specifically for you. This is from Will okay. in Odessa, Texas. Uh, he writes, uh, it's kind of weird seeing both Golden Tate and Marvin Jones going in the early sixth right now. If you could only pick one, who would you go with this year? Thanks, Mike. That is uh, Will in Odessa, Texas. Will. Thank you so much for the email. Uh, so Golden Tate, Marvin Jones finished as the wide receiver 11 and wide receiver 12 in FFPC drafts last year, or excuse me, in FFPC leagues last year. They were not drafted as wide receiver 11 and 12. But right, they're both right. going in the sixth round right now, according to AEP. Which guy do you like better uh, this year, Mike? Is it Tate or is it Jones? Well, this is, this is another question that I, I'm actually in, in Detroit area. So, you know, I follow the lines a little bit here. So I'm going to tell you right now, the thing is this, Golden Tate never gets hurt. Golden Tate is a guy that's going to be, if you're going to play seasonal, I would use Golden Tate because Golden Tate's a guy you want to win a, a, you want to win against the other person who have a baseline, you want to have a guy who performs, I want to, I want to beat this guy, right? If you're playing a Roto League, I'm picking Marvin Jones. <laughs> and FFPC is a semi-Roto League, so I'm going to use Marvin Jones. You want the guy with the higher upside. He's going to score more points. He's going to, he's going to give you more bust, but at the end of the year, he may have more points than, than Golden Tate, but Golden Tate can be more of a steady producer. So it depends on your, on your league setup. If you're playing against your friends and, and all you got to do is win, I'm going to take Golden Tate. But if I'm going to play in this particular setup, a national championship, I'm picking um, Marvin Jones. Simple as that. Yeah, and it kind of depends upon what type of player and how, how risky you want to get. I mean, if you want to shoot for the moon and go for the upside, clearly Marvin Jones is, is the guy who's going to be the more volatile guy that's going to outproduce right. Tate uh, you know, several weeks, and then several weeks he won't. But Tate, you're right, man. He is out there every Sunday. Uh, you talk about – we said it before, and I'll say it again. The best ability in the NFL is availability, and Golden Tate is right. always available. He is always out there. So if you want to go a little bit less risky, uh, Tate would certainly be the choice there over Jones. But I get what you're hey, saying. But, uh, sure with, right. FYI, with FYI, you're not going to win. You're not going to win any championship in a national tournament <laughs> being less risky, man. Just so so that maybe that helps right. that answers the, you know, the, the emailer's question there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, and you're right. I mean, to, to beat out, you know, however many thousands of teams or whatever, you're going to have to take a stand on certain players and obviously get lucky, but you want to go with that, that, uh, that, that more variance, the, the more volatile player, more explosive player, obviously will get more done for you in the long run. Right. Uh, let's go to Dan in Worcester, Massachusetts. He writes, uh, who do you feel have, excuse me, who do you feel you have been getting good values on in your football guys, guys drafts right now? that are going to see their ADPs go up once training camp starts. Thanks for the email, Dan, in Worcester, Mass. I always say, and you touched on this uh, uh, earlier in the show, Mike, but you, the guys you can get right now 
are not going to be the, they're not going to be going some of them are not going to be going in this same area once training camp starts and there's more information out there and everybody is sort of de- dealing with a quote unquote level playing field. Uh, there's going to be certain guys that you can draft in the mid rounds right now that are going to be shooting up to you know third, fourth, fifth round in just a matter of weeks. Who are some of those guys that you feel like you've been getting really good deals on in those mid rounds that are going to shoot up draft boards and uh, you know come training camp time? Well, this guy's not necessarily in the mid round, but um, I got um, I believe I got uh, Jordan Howard in one of my drafts at the end of the fourth. So that's a guy that I think that you, you're hearing a lot of noise about this guy. Like he he may not be the Bell Kyle, we don't need a Bell Kyle. He's going to be game specific. All these other things you're hearing. I mean, I don't listen to. I mean, once you play fantasy football, after a while, you don't. How can your value go up and down based on words? So you, you take a stand, wait till these guys play. But I, I got a good feeling that this guy is going to move up into the second, possibly close to the first round by the time the season starts. You know, Charles Nagy offense, he's going to be catching a little bit more passes than before. Um, the other guy, his his, uh, his backup is actually going to be playing more wide receiver <laughs> than he is going to be running back. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you got Tavon Austin type guy who's going to be his backup, and everybody's saying he's going to take over. Um, this guy is the guy that I think that you know he's going to be moving up again. Granted, he's not in the fifth or sixth round, but he's going to move up from the fourth round to um, to the second or possibly the end of the first by the time the season rolls yeah. along. That's a great point about Tariq Cohen, too, because we're, you know, and I'm one of them who's very excited about Cohen, but the fact is, if he's out in, you know, in the slot or if he's split out as a receiver for the majority, and that's how um, uh, Nagy wants to deploy him, that's certainly going to up the value of Jordan Howard. And remember, one of the first guys, or one of the first press conferences that Matt Nagy had this year, he compared Tariq Cohen not to a running back. He compared him to Tyreek Hill, and he came from Kansas City. Nagy did. So he compared him to a receiver right away. And if we're seeing preseason and training camp where Jordan Howard is back in the backfield all the time, and, and you know then they shift to the twos or the threes, and we're not seeing any Cohen in the backfield, or we're seeing very little of Cohen in the backfield, Howard is a perfect example of a guy who's going to go up because we're going to project a lot of volume, a lot of touches, uh, maybe some care, uh, catches there as well. Uh, based on what we're seeing. So I think that's an excellent point. Uh, Jordan Howard may never fall to like the fifth or sixth round here in, in June, but the fact is he, he, there's a very real possibility that he shoots up to be a mid-second or early second-round pick as we get closer to the season for sure. Uh, Mike, uh, let's talk about an early-round bust here before we get into the news uh, around the NFL. An early, your early-round bust for 2018, and then a sleeper in the mid to late rounds that either you've been targeting or, or you've been getting a lot in drafts thus far. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about a, a bus. A bus is, is kind of difficult to project bus right now. Um, I'm not going to say this guy's necessarily a bus, but I really hope that Rob Gronkowski has his head in football this year. I, I really hope he does. So, because I'm thinking that if you're drafting a, a tight end in the first round, which I've seen these guys do, your team is going to tank if these guys don't perform at wide receiver one numbers. And I don't know necessarily if with all the improvements in terms of the offensive line, um, I'm pretty sure they're going to have a commitment to the run. Now, Gronk is going to be Gronk, but I just don't know if he's going to meet that draft capital in the first round. Now, maybe I haven't looked at the recent ADP. He, he may be you know, closer to the end of the second, but the drafts I was in, people were picking him in the first round, and I don't think – I mean, he's going to be serviceable, but just for that draft capital, he's not going to be uh, giving people what, or at least when they're playing against me, I hope that's not what happens. But I just don't think that he's going to return as much as investment as he has in the past. Again, this is just a feeling. I don't have hard numbers, but it's just based on what, um, you know, where he's, where he's at in his career in terms of age, his injury history, uh, where I think the team is actually going to be going from a philosophy standpoint. And also his draft draft capital, where you pick them at and who you're missing out on compared to who you can get instead of um, taking the risk of getting him in the first round. Do we say this every year, year and he comes out with 1,200 <laughs> yards and 15 touchdowns? <laughs> Why would he well, write I, one of these I, years, listen, man? <laughs> there, there's a lot of people who, would, who have said this over the years, and, and I'm guilty of it too. Gronk <laughs> going at the 204 right now in drafts. But you think about – what, what New England's done this year and what they will be doing. Julian Edelman coming off that uh, ACL injury, he'll be back there. They have Sony Michelle and James White in the backfield, two very talented uh, underneath pass catchers. 
Uh, and, and Chris Hogan is still there too. So it's not like they're lacking for targets. And, and a lot of those targets are maybe not the seam routes that Gronk runs uh, so well, um, but a lot of underneath stuff that you would think is normally reserved for the tight end. So maybe there is a, a potential uh, that he does not bring back home uh, early second round value for you this year. I think that's a very real possibility. What about a sleeper for you this year, Mike? Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that one of the sleepers definitely is going to be Corey Davis. Uh, I know he, he, you're hearing excellent news out of this guy, and also this guy about alma mater. He went to my alma mater, so maybe I'm a little skewed there. So, but I really think that if if you can get him in the seventh, eighth round, he may come back at third round value. I mean, I, I really, I really see this guy uh, stepping up this year. Uh, Richard Matthews is a great receiver, but uh, he's not a true number one. And uh, yeah, they're playing a tough division, um, obviously, you know. But I just think that this is a guy that's going to have a bounce. The breakout season uh, this year. So now, again, this guy's not a, a 12th round pick or nothing like that. But if we're going to talk about the low, low end guys, I'm going to say a guy like James Washington. Uh, I really think that just the role of the receiver in um, uh, Pittsburgh, that that role. So he's going to play that outside. I mean, that inside role. I'm sorry. And he was the number. What, what he was the number one receiver last year, and he was projected to be a first round draft pick. And he went to the perfect situation, whereas you know, I think this guy can actually outlast his draft capital as well. So if you're picking last, you know, there's nothing wrong to pick up a James Washington, which I've done in you know, several, uh, majority of my drafts. And, and also as well, Kenneth Dixon as well. <laughs> you, know, you know, Kenneth Dixon as well. That's another guy. You know, you've got a guy who bounced out of a team that needed a running back, Alex Collins, right, and who's one fumble away from, you know, sitting on the bench with the guy that they kept around with through suspensions, who's a dynamic running back, and at the end of the day, they like to use the guy who's going to be, you know, who's going to step to the plate. So one mis- this guy's one mistake away from owning the backfield, you know, on owning the, the third-round role and the, the main back role. So that's another guy that, what? you know, I've got in the 15th round sometimes at one time, and he's not going to go in the 15th round any longer. So um, those are two guys. Those, those are people I'm saying from the mid guys to the guys in the end, you know, and even Jordan Reed, I mean, and say what you want to say about him getting hurt, man. But if you're getting him in the seventh, eighth round, uh, you know, just back him up. You get later, and just look at Alex Smith and uh, Kelsey last year. I mean, you know, you're good. Look at Alex Smith and Verde Day. I mean, you can you can look back throughout history. Alex Smith is thrown to the to the tight end. So just pick pick uh pick Jordan Reed and uh, cross your fingers there. You, you'd be good. <laughs> Yeah, and, and now this year, I mean, Jordan Reed, obviously, uh, the, the big problem with him has always been, well, I don't want to invest that early of a pick into a guy who's always been hurt. Well, now he's going all the way down into the you know, mid-sixth, late-sixth round sometimes, and, and for a guy who could be a top-three tight end if he could stay healthy for a whole season, that might be a, um, a, a draft uh, pick willing that you'd be willing to pay for that. I'm glad you brought up Kenneth Dixon because I think one of the things that I – I feel like players are falling into right now as far as a trap goes. A lot of people got very excited about Alex Collins after um, the Ravens basically did nothing in the draft to, um, to uh, address the running back situation. And a lot of people started drafting Alex Collins higher and higher. He's, I mean, he wasn't drafted by the Ravens. He, he, they picked him up off, I believe, the Seahawks practice squad. I mean, this is, he was just kind of a throwaway type guy. And I don't, I don't really know what kind of reputation, what kind of goodwill he has built up in Baltimore. You made a great point. Th- this guy fumbles once or underwhelms for a couple of weeks in a row. They could go to Kenneth Dixon, a guy that the Ravens drafted, you know, a guy that um, you know, could, could represent a big, big upgrade over Collins there. So I, and he's basically free in drafts right now. And the James Washington angle, the other thing, too, is the Steelers are an elite offense. If Juju Smith-Schuster was to go down, if Antonio Brown was to go down, who do you think is going to be the biggest beneficiary of that? Well, certainly the other receiver that stays healthy, and Le'Veon Bell is probably going to get some targets off that. But James Washington could step into that uh, spot that's vacated uh, by either Brown or Smith-Schuster and end up being a, a, you know, a very good starter, uh, or at least a flex play uh, for the time that, uh, that you know, whoever it is uh, remains out due to injury. So I think those are two very interesting guys that you bring up there in Washington, Dixon, and Reed, too. I mean, these are all guys that we need to be paying attention to uh, for sure. Uh, uh, Mike, let, let's uh, – we, we're doing uh, – we have so much more to get to yet uh, tonight. I want to kind of rifle through this as, as, good, as best as we can. I want to thank Football Guys, Roto World, and, of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob 
uh, for tonight's rundown on the Fantasy Flash. Let's talk about Devin Funches. This was a report from Bill Bach from Panthers.com stating that uh, he believes Funches has the talent to reach 1,000 yards receiving, but he doesn't believe that Norv Turner wants a true number one wideout in his offense. Last year, if you remember, Funches, 63 catches, 840 yards, eight touchdowns. Those were all career highs. He obviously uh, was the um, beneficiary of the big opportunity when Kelvin Benjamin was traded to Buffalo and Greg Olson had that foot injury. So now you have a healthy Olson back, but they added DJ Moore into the mix. How do you break down this, this Devin Funches situation uh, in Carolina right now, uh, Mike, as we look at Funches being chosen uh, in FFPC drafts right now uh, in best balls at the 907? Uh, certainly a much lower spot than you would expect given his numbers last year, but with the uh, healthy Greg Olson and uh, DJ Moore added to this offense, it's driving Funches' price down a little bit. Have you been ending up with him in drafts? Well, no, I haven't. But I would like to know who who came up with the great quote that an offensive coordinator say he does not want to have a number one wide receiver on this offense. Right. I don't yeah. believe that. <laughs> like, I don't want to have a top running back in my offense at all. You know what I'm saying? So, at the end of the day, I think that, yes, you know, we've all seen Carolina through history. I mean, Cam, you know, he's not going to be as the most accurate quarterback, but he's going to throw to the big body. So, granted, they try to do that with Kelvin Benjamin. Just look at Kelvin Benjamin's rookie season. Um, that's going to be a, a projection for uh, where the ceiling or close to where the ceiling, maybe even more than Devin Funches may be. I don't have Devin Funches, but with the right slot, I would definitely say that it's somebody who I would draft. I mean, he's a big body in, in, a, in, a, in a sort of offense that we've seen this before, that his ceiling is pretty up there. Now, granted that is Norm Turner. I, I understand that. It's definitely Norm Turner coming in, but um, – you know, even in something like this, I would definitely say I would go for with picking this guy. And But just don't pick him in the fourth round, I mean, or third round or something like this. But that's, you know, what you would definitely not do. But I, I think he's going to return his draft capital if he's picked, you know, somewhere close to the eighth, ninth round. And I, I would definitely be looking to get him uh, as, as the drafting season goes on. Yeah, I, I hope nobody's listening. I hope nobody's listening that uh, is in my, in my league, so they don't know when I'm potentially <laughs> targeting him. So, but if you're not, well, the great you know, thing, the, the, <laughs> the great, the, the great thing about it, Mike, is is they don't know if, if you're intentionally misleading them at this point or not. Like they know <laughs> I, I they, love that. what I you're love saying. That. It, it, you might be playing them. You know, you never know. I love that. Uh, I love that. I love that. Here. Uh, Jim, oh, I'm going to butcher this name. Jim Ozarski from the Cincinnati Inquirer said that actually John Ross has been fed the ball on a ton of different routes during OTAs thus far. Uh, if you remember, John Ross was uh, set the record for the fastest 40, uh, running a 4-2-40 at the scouting combine last year, uh, but really did, had no impact on the 2017 season uh, because of uh, an injury. He, uh, there's even talk of him being moved to corner by some of uh, the Bengals coaches. Uh, but it sounds like he's doing the right things in OTAs, and, and they're getting him the ball, uh, and they're looking for a compliment opposite A.J. Green. So is Ross, two-part question here, Mike, is Ross the guy uh, that you would be picking as the number two receiver for the Bengals? And two, does it matter for fantasy? Is he going to have an impact where you would want him on your FFPC or, or football guys team? Well, I mean, I must say this. I couldn't take off work for the fire Marvin Lewis parade, so – um, I, I've got to let that let you know that I, could, I couldn't make that parade, <laughs> but I definitely was going to. But uh, but ba- basically, I don't trust Marvin Lewis. I don't trust that Cincinnati staff. I don't trust Paul Brown. I don't trust anything. I think that they're one of these teams that it doesn't matter whether they have talent or not. They're going to do things their way because they have a script. How they're going to do things? No, this is the right way. We're going to do this. So I just don't know if this guy, whether he's good or not. I'm looking at any second secondary receiver through the years that's next to A.J. Green. I mean, Marvin Jones flashed. Most of the news flashed here and there, but you couldn't pick and choose when these guys are going to do it. This guy's going to be used more as a threat than an actual weapon, and that's a problem for me. And I think that could happen, so I will stay away from him. Now, granted, I'll pick him up as a throwaway piece, but I'm not targeting this guy. Uh, I'm not targeting anything in the Cincinnati until further notice unless – you know, I, I have picked up a Eifert, but, you know, that's something different. But I just don't think that this team um, can be trusted, especially at the, at the, at the wideout positions. It, that's not A.J. Green. 
Yeah, he's basically going undrafted right now in football guys' drafts. I think with this news, maybe some people start taking him as a flyer in the 20th round and seeing where it goes. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't see a whole lot of upside uh, at this point with uh, John Ross. Moving to the other end of the draft spectrum in the first round, Kareem Hunt says he's actually working on catching the ball and running more routes in OTAs. This is a report from Matt McMullen from KCChiefs.com. Eric Bieniemy is the new OC in Kansas City, and he said uh, that Hunt could be featured more as a receiver this year. Now, last year as a rookie, he did catch 53 passes. However, his pass protection was not great, and I have not heard any reports that it's, it's improved, you know, from 2017 to 2018. But if he is catching more passes, if he's in more routes, this is all good things. This is what we like for fantasy, Mike. We love hearing that these uh, running backs catching more passes. Now, Kareem Hunt can't got, get much more higher in ADP right now, given that he's already, you know, he's going at the 109. But this is a guy that I think when those top, you know, whatever you want to call it, top five running backs are off the board. Hunt might be number six there. I think it comes down to if you're, if you're in a draft and you want to take a running back and Gurley, Bell, David Johnson, Elliott, Kamara are off the board, um, it might come down to Barkley or Hunt. I know you might say you want Bell and Gordon uh, out of both those guys, but Hunt catching, catching passes here, I think this is the thing that we need to pay attention to. This could really drive his fantasy value up. Well, he will have to replicate what he did last year to come at that draft slot. That's what I'm thinking. Even though he came in first as running back, um, I just think that the usage rate, you don't take a running back who's not hurt out of the game plan during the year unless there's some other uh, things they're seeing on tape, whether it's pass protection, missing assignments. There's things that I'm kind of suspicious of based on what happened in the usage pattern that I'm kind of staying away from that guy at that draft slot. Now, granted, I was picking this guy in the ninth round, and when the season started last year, I, I went all the way to the second round to pick him up uh, a couple weeks for the season. But it's one of those things I just think that based on the usage rates, who's coming back, I mean, if where comes back, that models up the backfield. Yeah, they signed some additional running backs, um, the Miami running back and some other guys. But I just, I'm suspicious of the situation based on, having a quote-unquote healthy running back, at least to the best of our knowledge, be taken out the game plan um, as the year progressed. You know, yeah, he came back during the fantasy playoffs and things like that, but there's just too much open questions to have him be a first-round pick for me. Yeah, and the other thing to keep in mind, Kansas City did bring in Sammy Watkins. They still have Travis Kelsey. They still have Tyreek Hill. There are other weapons for Patrick Mahomes to utilize to move this team oh, up yeah. and down the field. You know and, and, and they have a rookie running back, a rookie quarterback. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, right, yeah, exactly. Quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that so, doesn't I mean, help. They, they, yep. they, he may not be counted on to, to carry as big of a load as he did last year, too. I mean, it remains to be seen, but I think you're bringing up a lot of good points that we need to exercise some caution uh, with Kareem Hunt, too. Uh, another guy I will be exercising a lot of caution on, maybe to the point of not drafting him all this year, but Brandon Marshall signed a one-year deal with the Seattle Seahawks this past Tuesday. Um, now, initially, financial terms are not disclosed. I, since then, I've read that the deal is worth up to $2 million dollars. I don't believe there's any guaranteed money involved, so there's a chance he doesn't even make the roster, but he's going to have the opportunity. Outside of Doug Baldwin, and you can make the case for Tyler Lockett, uh, it's wide open there. They, I mean, they have Jerron Brown is still bumming around there too, but uh, Brandon Marshall, uh, a bigger receiver that maybe takes the place of, not that he would play tight end, but maybe taking the, the place of the role that Jimmy Graham played in that offense last year. Uh, but Brandon Marshall, are you excited about drafting him late at all as maybe like a, a top 70 guy, a top 60 guy? What are your thoughts on Brandon Marshall catching passes from Russell Wilson this year? Assuming he's healthy, jump ball, sandlot player. So if he's healthy, I'm not worried about his speed. He's going to be a jump ball player, and he's playing with a perfect quarterback for that. So I, I, I can see him getting four or five touchdowns, but not a lot of yards and not a lot of receptions. That's if he makes the team and he's third and third on the receiving chart, and he's got to learn a new offense, and it's going to be not like Denver or New York, any of these, Chicago, any of these gunslinging type, you know, it's going to be a satellite uh, quarterback. He's playing with guys he's not familiar with. So, yeah, he's worth a flyer, but I'm not going to use him as, okay, I'm depending on this guy. So, though, definitely. Um, you know, if you're looking for upside and things like that, I would look look elsewhere. And finally, here as we wrap up this segment, Tevin Coleman uh, has uh, told reporters that the team told him they want to use him more, 
uh, lining wide, uh, stuff like that. Dan Quinn, who is the head coach of the Falcons, actually confirmed that, saying they want to get uh, both he and Freeman really involved in the passing game. And uh, Quinn also said that he thinks Coleman made a big jump last season. This is a D. Orlando Ledbetter story in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is good news for Tevin Coleman. He only caught 27 passes last year, and we all saw what, what Devontae Freeman uh, meant to that offense and how often they utilized him. Coleman is a guy this year uh, that, that is still not, I mean, nor should he be picked super high because he still has Freeman in front of him. But, I mean, he's going at the 608 in FFPC drafts right now. We know that uh, they want him to catch more passes. Are you excited about using a six-round pick on Tevin Coleman this year, Mike? Uh, I made the biggest mistake ever. Uh, that guy is probably the running back to own in fantasy football in terms of this. Uh, great offense. Injury-prone starter in front of him. And I mean, injury-prone from the standpoint of, I think Devontae Freeman had multiple concussions last year. I'm not mistaken, right? Now, I don't want to be uh, a guy just picking guys based on guys hoping they get hurt or something like this, but this guy would be an RB top five running back if, if Devontae Freeman, I mean, if he owned the running back position to himself in Atlanta. And that that is that could likely happen. You know, that could likely happen with a guy with multiple head injuries. So, I'm very. I kick myself every time somebody picks him when I hope that he comes back around to me or when I uh, plan on picking him. So yeah, I mean, let's put it this way: um, if I have opportunity, I'm going to get this guy if the, if the price is right. Yeah, he's one of those guys where it's just the talent is there. He just needs the opportunity. And if Freeman were to go down, even if you know, here's the thing: take concussions out of it uh, and, and just talk about like Freeman's other I- issues. He's had some lower leg injuries, some ankle stuff that, yeah. that has kept him out of games, and, and he battles. You know, he does his best to battle. But, man, if you have a healthy Tevin Coleman in there uh, and, and Freeman is trying to gut it out on one leg or Freeman has to miss a couple of weeks, Tevin Coleman is going to have the opportunity to shine. And then when Freeman is healthy, I don't know how you take Coleman out of that offense. He's got his role there, and, and maybe it's a 50-50 split. Now, you're talking about investing a six-round pick in doing that, but, man, the – there is a lot of upside in that sixth-round pick. I mean, you look at the other running backs that are going in the sixth round right now next to him. Lamar Miller, Tariq Cohen, Nick Chubb, Chris Thompson. I mean, certainly there's some upside with all those guys, but I don't know if anybody has the upside of Tevin Coleman in the mid-sixth. Right, and it's been proven. So, yeah, definitely. Let's get into uh, emails here. The first one was regarding Jordan Howard. It was an email from uh, Mark in Little Rock, Arkansas. Since we're running short on time, I'm going to skip that one because uh, we, we talked about him significantly earlier in the show. So I'm going to go to Steve in Atlanta, Georgia first. He writes, hi, Eric and Mike. Dave kind of dodged the question last Friday, but which Williams receiver do you prefer this year for the Chargers, Michael or Tyrell? Appreciate it, fellas. That is Steve in Atlanta, Georgia. No Hunter Henry. We know that the Chargers uh, said this week they're probably going to go for more three wide receiver sets, which would include both Williamses. If you had the opportunity to draft one or the other, which one are you drafting, Mike? Is it going to be Tyrell Williams or is it going to be Mike Williams? Mike Williams. Mike Williams, the GM, this one looks stupid for going in the first round for wide receiver last year. (laughs) No, but seriously, Mike Williams. Mike Williams. And, And, like, I, I've never been a huge fan of his, but, man, you, again, we talk about the opportunity. It's going to be there this year. We, we could be talking about Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, Mike Williams as, as a high-powered trio uh, moving that Chargers offense up and down the field thanks to Phillip Rivers. So there is the potential there. Tyrell Williams had his opportunity last year, too, and outside of a couple of big plays, he really didn't do a lot. And, and I'm kind of wondering if the season before when he kind of broke out, that was just an outlier season. Mike Williams is the more pedigree guy. Drafted in the top ten. I know Dave, uh, my normal co-host, is not a big Mike Williams fan, but you cannot ignore what is in front of him right now. Uh, Don in Logan, West Virginia, he writes, Hey, guys, could you play a would-you-rather with Brandon Cooks? I never know how to treat these early-round guys that are playing in new offenses. Well, we'll do our best to, uh, to play a would-you-rather with Brandon Cooks tonight. Uh, I will ask you, Mike, uh, I'll kick it off here if I can find Brandon Cooks, where he is going. Uh, and dress. Okay, perfect. Okay, so, Mike, would you rather have Brandon Cooks or Alshon Jeffrey? And we'll go rapid fire on this. Brandon Cooks or Alshon Jeffrey? Alshon Jeffrey. Brandon Cooks Alshon or Jeffrey. Jarvis Landry? Brandon Cooks. Uh, Brandon Cooks or Julian Edelman? Julian Edelman. I see. 
think I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I also agree on the on the Landry. Uh, you know what? I agree on all on, on all all three of these with you so far. Here's one: Brandon <laughs> Cooks the mail, the or Golden. The mail, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brandon Cooks or Golden Tate. Brandon Cooks. I oh boy, that's I. Uh, I could go either way on that one. I will. I will go with you on that uh, and, and say Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Let's go the other way. Brandon Cooks or Josh Gordon? Oof, that's a tough one. Josh Gordon. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Gordon there as well. And then the last one we'll do here. Uh, yeah, this will be the last one we do. Brandon Cooks or Juju Smith Schuster? Uh, Juju Smith. Yeah, I would I would go with him there uh, as well. Cooks is an interesting guy. How do you see him uh, finishing out this season now that he's going to be catching passes uh, from Jared Goff amongst Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Todd Gurley? Uh, how do you see him? Uh, is well, 2018 going to be a disappointment? Well, I, I think that based on where he's getting drafted, yes, because he's going to replace the guy. Look at, look at his replacement, what he did last year. That's as simple as that. But Brandon Cooks has a little bit more upside than Sammy Watkins, but I think at the end of the day, you're going to see the same role. Deep, deep threat, keep the defense away, play that same side of the field, and he's going to disappoint people, but I think he's going to do well. Uh, Damon in Almo, Utah. Any value in snagging the undrafted free agent tight end? The Chargers just signed Austin Roberts, or is he just a guy there? Thanks, Balky and Mike. Thank you, Damon, for your email. Austin Roberts. There's a lot of speculation that the Chargers are just going to simply resign Antonio Gates and roll with him uh, instead of Hunter Henry this year. But they actually went out and signed Austin Roberts, a guy from uh, UCLA that went undrafted, and now he is a Charger. So is this a guy we need to be paying attention to for fantasy, or is he just going to be sort of a guy there uh, in that Chargers offense for you, Mike? I think he's going to be sort of a guy at this point. Uh, I'll wait and see. I will not spend any draft capital on somebody that everybody's passed around multiple times. Yeah, there's great guys that come out of that. But at the end of the day, I look for somewhere else for my uh, tight end slot, not wasting those slots at this uh, the guy like this. And final email tonight is from Taylor in Meriden, Connecticut. Uh, Taylor writes, seems like there's a swelling of positive reports about Doug Martin lately. Is he actually the guy to own in the Raiders' backfield this year over Lynch? Thank you for the email, Taylor. And I will say that I have seen a lot of these reports about Doug Martin, you know, looking very good and pushing Lynch for the job. Um, as far as, let, let, let's not say who's the man in, in the Raiders' backfield. Let's just talk about where these guys are being picked and who would you rather have at that point. Doug Martin, going in the 16th round of FFPC drafts right now. And Lynch is actually going much higher than that. Uh, he is going in the mid-eighth round. So obviously, if uh, you are going to be risk-adverse, you're going to take Martin. Uh, maybe if you want to go with the, um, you know, if you believe that Lynch is the guy, you're certainly investing an eighth round pick in him. What are you doing? How are you treating this Raiders backfield this year, Mike, between Lynch and Martin? I got Doug Martin in the 15th round, but he's not going in the 15th round any longer based on uh, the news report. So at the end of the day, I have Doug Martin is a better pick. Based on that round, if he gets the backfield role, he's a little younger. And also um, I think that he's going to be somebody who can take over the backfield based on what we've seen in the past. And Lynch's uh, eccentric uh, behavior, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But I believe that that's definitely a risk that people who are taking him early, uh, that's Lynch that is. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we will see. And Lynch, or excuse me, Martin's an interesting guy that he had those two uh, unbelievable top five seasons, and then it, you know his other three were were, were not very good uh, outside of that. But he's going to be running behind uh, a fantastic offensive line in Oakland. He is going to have some pretty good uh, receivers uh, around him and a good tight end around him that's going to take attention away from uh, you know defenses keying in on him. So it could be a bounce back season for Martin uh, this year. We like you said. We will wait and see. And uh, listen, Mike, that's, that's going to do it for the show. I want to thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. This was a lot of fun. I love picking your brain. You, you brought a lot of stuff to the table that I had not previously considered as much as I should have. So I, hopefully I've become a better fantasy player uh, tonight, and hopefully our listeners have too. I wish you nothing but the best of luck in all your leagues uh, this coming season. I'm, I'm sure you'll be adding on to those 10 Football Guys League titles. Uh, so be good. We will talk to you again soon, and thanks again so much for doing the show. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Hope to see hope to talk again soon. Appreciate it.
For sure. Mike Inyang, the 10-time or a 10-time Football Guys Players Championship League title winner, uh, co-hosting uh, with me tonight. As I alluded to, that is going to do it for the show. Now, I said at the top of the show uh, that I have a special announcement uh, about the show, and I do. A lot of people have been asking since the FFPC main event uh, early bird got extended uh, one day. Well, not since it because not because it got extended, but they want to know since the the early bird deadline uh, came up this past weekend. When are we going to know when the Joes are announced for pros versus Joes? I'm glad you asked that. Next Friday, uh, we will be announced. They will be back in the studio. We're going to actually have next Friday. Uh, we're going to have uh, main event and football guys players championship league championship winner uh, Patrick uh, Ryback on the show. And uh, before we, we talk to Patrick and, and pick his brain uh, about fantasy this year and some of the drafts he's done, we are actually going to announce the 2018, the 36 Joes uh, in, the, in the 2018 Pros versus Joes competition. So tune in, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash HSFF at 10, 9 central next Friday. We will have the Joes for you. Uh, on the uh, on the show next week. So that is our special announcement. And like I said, Dave will be back next week. I want to thank Mike Inyang, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, of course, each and every one of you for tuning in tonight. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, like I said, Patrick Ryback, he won the FFPC main event, uh, a main event league title last year. He also won uh, football guys uh, league titles before. He's going to come on. Uh, we're going to talk to him, and we'll announce the PBJ goes next week as well. Register for that main event. Best ball, Dynasty League's all going on. Football guys early, bird. Take advantage. Your weekend officially This has been another now. episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. About to call your ass Uber, I got somewhere to be. I hear fairy tales by how they gon' run up on me. Well, run up when you see me, then we gon' see I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of this energy, trying to take away. You know, a lot of times I get done with the show and I'm super stressed and I just figure to, you know, or anxious and I figure it's just for doing it, you know, 60, 75 minutes or whatever it is of quote unquote live radio. And I'm, I'm not feeling stressed at all tonight. And I, I don't know what it is other than the fact that I think I had a fantastic co-host that really let me sit back and relax. Unlike the Dizzle, who I'm always anxious, I never know what he's going to say next. Just kidding, Dave. I love you. I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.